We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording here on a Wednesday, September 6th. And uh, said uh, the Bears' week one game against the Green Bay Packers is coming up here this week. The NFL starts tomorrow, kicking off with the Lions and Kansas City. Football is back. Um, and, man, it's just with college football going on this past weekend, uh, it's been really exciting as a football fan. Uh, before we get into everything today, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're right. I mean, football's certainly back, and there's a lot of action that's kind of gone on over the last few days. You look at, you know, between college along with the NFL, so many different storylines that, you know, it's crazy that we have to wait like another, I want to say 21 hours and 57 minutes, the exact time for football to officially be back, at least NFL football, but um. You know, I'm excited to be able to just kind of go ahead and get this thing going again. Yeah, and what's great about it is that we have both the NFL and the Bears to talk about, but also college football to talk about as well. So uh, today, uh, it's going to be a heavy focus on college football. We haven't really covered it as much just because there hasn't been as much to break down um, over the summer. Um, A lot of Bears storylines going on, not a lot of really college football you know, prospect storylines going on. Um, so today it's going to be a lot of focus on week one of the college football season. I mean, there's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about, but we'll also get into the Bears Packers matchup as well and um, how we think the Bears are going to do on this upcoming Sunday, which uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about and discuss there as well. Uh, but let's get into this wild college football weekend. And it's, and it's crazy because I think we might have already had the game of the year. Uh, between Colorado and TCU, which is crazy to say because it's the like the first weekend of the season. It was the first game of uh, of the Saturday slate at 11 a.m. Um, at least here Central Time, and just crazy. I mean, there are so many storylines from this game. 
Uh, you have Deion Sanders, his first year of the program in Colorado, all the storylines that were kind of, you know, going on um, in this offseason where Dion took over the program, uh, you know, a whole bunch of transfers and uh, really gutting the program, bringing in his own guys, so to speak. Um, and, you know, all the talk about how there was a ton of turnover in the roster kind of overshadowed the fact that this team that Deion Sanders has here is really talented with a lot of players that have um, interesting NFL prospects. I mean, that Colorado game, and I should fully say this, I mean, Colorado with Deion Sanders is certainly my surprise pick to potentially even sneak into the playoffs. I know that may be a scorching hot take to some, but you really go ahead and you watch that Colorado game. I mean, it's key to understand that Dion's going to make that entire program competitive throughout the 2023 season. And then you look at some of the young players that they have on that roster guys who, again, were with Dion at that previous spot, but have all of a sudden kind of come onto the scene as a, household name his son Shadur Sanders played a phenomenal game and to no one's surprise I mean there's 2024 mock drafts floating out there right now where so many people have Shadur Sanders listed as a first round pick at quarterback but the best player on the field overall that's not going to be eligible for the NFL draft until 2025 is wide receiver slash quarterback Travis Hunter who played pretty much every single play played both ways and Again, next year when we're sitting here talking about the class of 25, well, Travis Hunter is going to be above everyone's list as number one overall prospect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are really the two main guys that really stood out here. Jadir Sanders, proving that he's not just like there just to be, you know, just there because he's Dion's kid. Like, he's got some legitimate NFL talent, I think, and he put that all on display. Uh, by the way, if you hear some wrestling going on in the background, that is my cat. She is like going crazy right now. So just bear with me here if you guys hear that in the background. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. Uh, yeah, Sanders was phenomenal in this game. And it was kind of interesting because early on, Colorado, you know, they, they clearly knew that they had a uh, talent disadvantage in the trenches, right? So they were doing a lot of quick game stuff, a lot of stuff where Sanders had to get out get the ball out of his hands on time uh, really quickly in a short passing game. And Sanders, you saw that where he was able to quickly process the defense, get the ball out on time, get to his playmakers in spots where they can uh, make plays after the catch. And that was really, you know, the first half Colorado kind of, that's how they operated their offense. And in the second half, they really opened it up for Sanders because TCU started to, you know, cover some of those short routes and, um, you know, be a little bit more aggressive on those. So Sanders had to do a little bit more playmaking out of structure. He had to push the ball down the field a little bit more, and he made some spectacular throws in this game. And, you know, just going over his stats here, he finished the day 38-47 to 47 for 510 yards and four touchdowns. I believe uh, the completions and the yardage might be a Colorado school record, if I'm not mistaken, um, but just crazy production in his first start at this level. Um which he played in college last year, but he was, uh, I think he was at a lower level of competition. I think he was playing at D2. I know I know uh, he was with Dion at, uh, I believe it was Jackson, Jackson State, I think. Um, so um, a lower level. So, you know, he wasn't playing at, at the D1 Power 5 conference, I should say. Um, so the fact that he's doing that against TCU, who just played in the national championship, I know they had a lot of turnover on the roster. Um, but to do that is just incredibly impressive. 
Um, I, I don't know. It, it, we're a while, we're a long way away from him um, being draft eligible. Um, he's still got, I think, another year of eligibility after this season. But I was really impressed with some of the traits that he displayed out there. And some of the throws he made in this game were just really incredible. Um, and, and I mentioned the, the stats before, but he, he could have had an even better day because there were some drops from his receivers on some throws down the field that um, just incredible throws that he was making that it, it would have been even more impressive. He could have had a 600-yard day um, if his receivers could have come down with a couple of plays there. But I think you're right. The biggest story of this game has got to be Travis Hunter, who – Looks like already like a Heisman finalist uh, or a Heisman front runner um, based off of the way that he performed in this game. Like you said, played nearly every snap. And what makes it even more impressive is that he's playing in Texas 100 uh, degree heat, which is, you know, not easy. I'm sure for all, all of our listeners out there who um, live in Texas can kind of attest to this, but it is it can get hot down there. <laughs> like the Texas heat. I've heard some stories about how it is it is no joke down there. Um, and the fact that he was able to do that and not just like these aren't positions where he can just take plays off and he's not doing a lot of running and cutting and explosive stuff that can drain energy, like wide receiver and cornerback. Like these are positions that can drain energy, um, you know, pretty consistently on a down to down basis. So for him to, you know, play as well as he did, like you look at what he did. Uh, he had 11 receptions in this game for 119 yards, made some huge plays in the passing game for Colorado. And then on defense, like, he was locked down in this game. Uh, and what's interesting for me, he, he had an interception in this game. He was also, like, I think the uh, TCU was, like, three for nine uh, when targeting him in this game or something like that. I'd have to look at the stat again. Uh, but he was locked down in coverage. He was making plays on the ball. He could have had a couple of interceptions in this game if he would have uh, come down with it. Um, I, I was – he was incredible, man. He, he was absolutely out of this world's good. And he's in a rare company of college players. I think the last college player to really play at this level, playing both sides of the ball, was Charles Woodson, like back in the '90s. So he's in historic territory here. Territory here, and you know, I don't know how sustainable it is for him to be doing this over the course of a long season. But in the short term, I think you know it's a lot of fun seeing a guy do something this special. Yeah, Travis Hunter to me is perhaps the most exciting player to watch in college football. And I understand that guys like Caleb Williams and Drake Maie get all the love. I mean, Riley Leonard gets a ton of love to the quarterback from Duke. But what makes Travis so fun to watch is that he is kind of your do-it-all playmaker. Like, he's the guy that, you know, teams are going to covet at the next level due to his versatility in terms of being able to play both on and off the line of scrimmage, move from outside to inside, really play X, Z, or F at the next level, and then his ability to go ahead and just add instant spark to an offense. I mean, that right there just screams to me. If a offensive coordinator like a Kyle Shanahan, or, I'm sorry, an offensive-minded guy like a Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay got their hands on Travis Hunter or even the Chiefs, which now that I said that, it's probably going to happen in another two years, like it would be lights out hands down. And what makes Travis so phenomenal is just the athlete that he is you know we know he's a really good football player but as an athlete you can just tell he's a guy who grew up playing multiple sports clearly has the long speed needed that you would get from something like 
running track throughout high school. And then on top of that, you add in just the toughness and scrappiness. And it's very clear that you have a player that you're going to be building around for the next 10 to 15 years. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I'll say for Hunter and the last point I'll kind of make on this game before we move on here, because um, there is some other topics I want that we can touch. We got to touch on here uh, before talking about this Bears-Packers game coming up. Uh, but I'll say for Hunter, like I do think he's a much better cornerback prospect than wide receiver prospect at this point. It's not that he's a bad wide receiver prospect. Um, it's just that like I don't think he's quite as special as he is as a cornerback right now, and a corner. Like you can just see, like the instincts are off the charts. He has the athletic tools uh, to play the position at a very high level. But I mean, that interception he had, um, you know, in that game where it was basically like slant flat combination that you see all the time, and that play is always completed. It seems like um, at every level of football, uh, whether it's a high school level, a college level, or the in, even in the NFL. Uh, those are quick, easy completions. And for him to kind of bait the quarterback into that throw where he's faking like he's taking the slant, but then he, you know, peels off the route and goes to the flat to pick off that pass in, in a diving fashion. Like it just shows the type of like not only is this guy a freak athlete, but he's also just like really mentally sound and he just understands the game at a high level. So yeah, I, I think I think he's a better cornerback at this point. And with the ball skills that he has, I think he can be a special player there. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think he's a good wide receiver prospect, but just like I, I think he could be, especially with Dion's coaching, you know, as one of the best cornerbacks ever, if not the greatest cornerback ever, um, you know, really being the mentor for him. I mean, the sky is the limit for him at that at that cornerback position. And then what makes him really special is that you had the combination of both, right? So yeah, I, I'm really excited to see how this Colorado teams does uh, throughout the season. Here, it's going to be really fun to follow with Sanders, with Hunter, and some of the other guys in this roster. I mean, there's some other playmakers on this team that we didn't talk about as well. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And they, they play Nebraska next weekend, so I, I know who I'm watching next weekend in college football on Saturday. So that that's definitely guaranteed for me. And that's going to be a weekly thing for me, I, I should say. Um, but moving on here, uh, and you, you did mention that Caleb Williams, Drake May, some of the quarterbacks here that a lot of – uh, college football fans are interested in watching this season. And the other takeaway that I had from this weekend, you say, was that um, all or at least most of the big-name quarterback prospects that are expected to enter the draft next year um, in 2024 
it seemed like every single one of them showed up and really flashed this past week. And we can get into the performances here. But overall, if, if you're a team looking to get a quarterback in next year's draft class, the prospects look very bright with a whole bunch of guys here. You're right, and really bright is the perfect term to go ahead and use because when you look at this class, I mean, we know for a fact what Caleb Williams and Drake Mighty are, right? They've been pegged as number one and number two, depending on who you talk to, for the last few years. I want to say going back to about two issues now when Caleb kind of took over the starting job at the University of Oklahoma and then followed Lincoln Riley to USC. But we know what Caleb Williams is. Drake Maia, again, coming in as this ultra-talented quarterback who, with a bit more coaching, can go from being really good to great. And I would even say if he adds a ton of mobility and becomes a better mobile quarterback, then the sky's the limit for Drake Maia, too. And then really the third guy is a total toss-up at this point because it's like you're going to go with Michael Penix from Washington, you're going to go with J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. But the third guy that I believe is a serious lock to go ahead and basically quarterback three in this class is without a doubt Riley Leonard from Duke. I mean, you talk about the way that Duke played against Clemson on Monday night. And listen, you know, it was a phenomenal football game from start to finish. Now, in a sense, I mean, Duke may have only won by three scores, 28 to seven, but Ultimately, it's so key to keep in mind that Riley Leonard was the guy who kind of went ahead and engineered that from start to finish with just the way he played. And what you see in him is a guy who's got a pretty solid arm, a really good serviceable arm by NFL standards. He may not have a cannon, but he's really well built in terms of lower body thickness and then upper body is incredibly strong as well you look at his ability to just get the ball out of his hands quickly the natural throwing motion that exists and then just how smart he is in terms of how he sees the game you're really getting a player that is a complete package that you confidently say hey there is something to work with at the next level for a team that drafts Riley Leonard and he to me it's interesting because I know that this may be a bit of a stretch when it comes to comparison, but he kind of reminds me a bit of a guy like a Matthew Stafford, for example. You know, really good arm, can make pretty much any throw on the field, and then has the ability to go ahead and operate from the pocket and is just a much smarter player. And I'll admit this too. Sitting here in the first full week of September, I mean, the Stafford comparison is a bit of a stretch. It can all be considered a bit of a stretch, but there's also arguments for it being legit. And then the other thing is this, is that as the season progresses, we're going to see more and more of what Riley Leonard really is. But for right now, he's penciled in as my QB3. Uh, Leonard may have had the most relatable moments out of any quarterback in this past week, or really any player this past week when uh, after the game um, against Clemson, he uh, publicly, or I, I guess I'm like, I'm, he's getting interviewed and he publicly asked for his professor to extend his homework. And I think we've all been there as uh, as uh, former college students where, yeah, some days, you know, something comes up and you just, you gotta ask your professor, Hey, like, can I get an extra extension on this? Can I turn this in a little bit a uh, day or two late or something like that? Like, so, I mean, that makes Leonard a pretty relatable guy. He's he's thinking about his classes, I should say. So, I guess that's a good thing. But, yeah, uh, he definitely shows some traits out there. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, 
you know, he wasn't the only one who was showing traits as well because, you know, Leonard, he, he definitely, the stats didn't really paint a great performance, but he did make some impressive plays in that game to help kind of lead the upset against Clemson. Um, but, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, like, that quarterback three discussion is really up for grabs right now because we know that Caleb Williams and uh, Drake may are going to be the top guys in this upcoming draft. And by the way, Caleb Williams had another ridiculous play in, in his matchup. Like it seems like every single week, this guy, it was against San Jose state. So, I mean, I, if you want to take with a grain of salt, you could do that, I guess. But I mean, the, the playmaking ability that he has as a quarterback is just, it's special and teams are going to be, you know, vying for his services. Uh, in next year's draft for sure. Um, but yeah, like you said, quarterback three is really up in the air. And, you know, there are a lot of guys that showed out this past week and are going to be trying to make their cases here. Like Bo Nix at Oregon, you know, he he led the way for Oregon scoring 81 points against Portland state. Like that is just wrong on so many, on so many levels, just so unfair um, at, at that point. Um, but he had a pretty solid first outing uh, to this season. Um, you know, you look at, uh, Michael Penix Jr. Like you said, 450 yards passing five touchdowns looked really solid out there. Um, made some really impressive throws down the field. And, uh, Penix is a very interesting prospect because, um, he's getting from from what I've seen at least. And based off of what I've watched of him, I I think there are some comparisons to be made to, and I wonder if that's just because like the lefty quarterback, um, you know, pocket passer type that kind of, you know, puts you in the mind space of making the comparison. But there's a lot of Tua Tagovailoa in his game that I see where um, very accurate from the pocket. You know, he's not a great, you know, extender of plays, not really good at like, uh, not, not the most creative quarterback outside of structure. But when you put him in structure, um, he has the ability to make a lot of good throws down the field. I think he might have a little bit of a stronger arm than Tua and Tua may have a little bit better anticipation at this stage in time. But yeah, he, he looked really dang good. Um, he's got some good weapons there as well, um, which really helped him out, um, you know, in this past game. But, yeah, he looked – he had a really strong start to the season as well. Um, you know, it looked really solid out there. Jordan Travis for uh, Florida State uh, played a pretty pretty solid game um, in their matchup against LSU, um, leading them to that victory. Um, you know, and it wasn't like – you know, he, he definitely made some mistakes early in that game. Um, but overall, like FSU looks like a team that is going to be really talented and really tough for teams to kind of contend with, with this year um, because they do have a lot of NFL talent on that roster. And, and Travis, he's a guy who's been in college for a while um, and you know definitely made some plays uh, throughout the course of that game. And then, you know, Tennessee, Joe Milton, um, you know, cannon of an arm. Like that, that's the one thing that really stood out. He made a couple of, you know, huge throws down the field that, it just puts you in awe of the level of arm talent that this guy has. You know, the accuracy and all the other aspects of playing that position are, are not there for him, but in terms of just pure arm talent, the dude's got it. Like, he's he might have the biggest arm um, in, in this class of quarterbacks, at least in college football right now. Uh, yours, you know, looked all right against Rice uh, for the most part. You know, he had a solid day statistically, so – yeah, I mean, that, that quarterback three spot, it's going to be interesting to follow all year long. It's up for grabs, and so far, like, all these quarterbacks uh, did a really nice job uh, this past weekend, and it's going to be an interesting thing to follow throughout the season here as well. Uh, but before we move on to the Bears and get to that Bears-Packers discussion, one final thing, uh, one final thing of note you said, um, 
who are some of the players that kind of stood out to you um, outside of the quarterback position this past week? Some guys that are going to be entering the 2024 draft that you just kind of want to shout out real quick. I mean, I've been screaming these guys' names all summer long, and I'm going to continue to say it. If you are a fan of a team that's going to be in the market for a pass rusher next offseason, you need to get familiar with the names Dallas Turner from Alabama, Jared Verse from Florida State, and then Chop Robinson from Penn State. I mean, the last two, Verse and Robinson, had phenomenal games this past week. And you talk about just what Chop Robinson came out and did week one. I mean, it was very clear that he's a guy who is going to come in, you know, he can disrupt the passer off the edge. You can line him up as a wide nine way out there, wide nine technique, or you can kind of line him up right over the offensive tackle. And he's going to figure out a way to use some sort of fancy pass rush move to get past the offensive tackle and then really go about making the play. And you look at Chop Robinson too. I mean, the commonality between Robinson and Florida State shared verse is that both of them have this motor that just keeps on running, right? They're like the freight trains when these guys are running at you at full speed. They're like the freight trains that have no brakes. Talk about what Jared Ferris did in that Florida State LSU game. I mean, he came out and he played such a damn good game that Jared pretty much has cemented himself as edge rusher one for the upcoming class if he continues to dominate the way he has and then dallas turner from alabama a guy who you know good friend of mine joe gaither covers the alabama football team he's at the radio station down there for sports illustrated and i mean you hear nothing but really good things about dallas turner and so the reality is this is that if you were to make a list of the first three non-quarterbacks taken off the board. I mean, you're going verse Chop Robinson and Dallas Turner in no particular order because those guys, where they get drafted next year, it's not even going to be because of the talent, but more so because of their scheme fit. I mean, they're phenomenally talented, but where do they fit in terms of how players grade them out in schemes is going to determine where they get drafted. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, definitely a good showcase for the uh, top pass rushers this past week. Um, I also thought it was a good showcase of some of the top weapons uh, that are going to be projected to go high in next year's draft as well. I mean, Brock Bowers, he just he looks like the elite prospect that he is, um, not only making plays in the passing game after the catch, but um, as a blocker too, shows some stuff as a tight end there. So, yeah, Brock Bowers just <laughs> really good. Uh, and then for Florida State as well, Keon Coleman, uh, nine receptions, 122, 122 yards, three touchdowns in this game. Um, you know, showing the ability to be kind of that outside receiver, contested catch guy. Um, has a lot of tools to his game. Um, yeah, he, he stood out in this in in this week as well. 
So they, yeah, there are a lot of guys out here that were making plays. Um, and then, you know what? I forgot to mention a couple quarterbacks that stood out as well. I mean, there are so many quarterbacks that play well that they just kind of, these guys kind of slipped through the cracks for me. But J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy for Michigan, um, he's a guy that a lot of people know that he has a lot of tools. Michigan typically hasn't done a great job of developing these quarterbacks um, over the years uh, since Harbaugh's been there, um, even though they've had some, you know, highly recruited guys um, and some guys with some hype. But J.J. McCarthy, uh, you saw some flashes of tools last year, um, but didn't really put it all together. This year, I mean, you saw – you saw, de- definitely saw a little bit of a step forward in his game based off of the first game that we saw from him this year. And then, you know, a guy that a lot of people don't want to give up on is Spencer Rattler. I thought he looked solid against North Carolina. I know the stats won't reflect it necessarily. His team lost. Um, he had over 350 yards passing. Um, he was kind of under pressure a lot. It was, it was kind of a bad situation, but I thought he looked pretty solid in that outing as well. And I know he's a guy that's kind of been on the radar for a few years now and hasn't really put it all together in college yet. Um, but, you know, I thought he looked improved based off the last time that I saw him as well. So, yeah, it's just there's a lot of talent uh, in college football right now. This, this 2024 class, it looks really stacked, you know, whether it is talent at the top, some guys that some intriguing players that kind of provide some depth right now. Um, it's only one week, but really exciting stuff um, from the college game and kind of looking forward to this next upcoming draft. Um, all right, let's get into Bears Packers week one here. Uh, the Bears and both these teams starting off their season with, you know, not really a primetime game per se, but it's America's game of the week on Sunday. It's going to be a, a 325 uh, start time. So, you know, usually that game is uh, I kind of consider it a primetime game, you know, during that during that time, because it is kind of like that nationally televised um, sort of thing. You know, there are other games going on. I, I know it's technically not primetime, but whatever. It's 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 a big game. Um, it's going to have a huge audience, a uh, huge national audience as well. And it, it's going to be interesting because it's really going to be a showcase for both of these teams because, you know, there are a lot of questions and two teams that really has a very wide uh, array, range of outcomes here this season. You look at the Bears, obviously. We talked about it all the offseason. You know, this is a team that is a lot better than where they were last year. They upgraded the talent across the board on this roster but there is a lot riding on, you know, Justin Fields. Can he take that leap in the second year of this system, uh, the second year of this regime? You know, they brought in DJ Moore. They have more talent with weaponry this year. You know, can he put it all together as a, as a passer? And if he can, how far can he take this Bears team that, while more talented, um, you know, still has a lot of flaws on this roster or across the roster? Look at the defensive line right now is just it, – it, doesn't look great at the moment. The offensive line is dealing with some injuries right now. Um, and you look at the Packers, uh, you know, what do you make of Jordan Love? They're one of the youngest team in football right now. Uh, they have some good, you know, they have a really talented defense, which we know. Um, but offensively, they're going with a bit of a youth movement here around Jordan Love. And we just, we just don't know anything about him. So this is really going to be a showcase for him and his first, like, real start, um, you know, as the, as the guy here for Green Bay and just – a lot of interesting stuff to go over here when we talk about this Bears Packers game. And interesting is certainly the word. Now I wrote this at some point in the summer and I said that 
looking at this rivalry, we have seen great offenses from Green Bay and we've seen great defenses from Chicago really put their foothold on this rivalry. And again, for a second, just kind of don't even think about what has happened over the last 15 or 16 years with Aaron Rodgers being at the helm because that, in a sense, is its own chapter within what is a story rivalry. And if you look at the next chapter in this rivalry, I mean, let's just be honest. This is the first time that both teams have had young quarterbacks that are hopefully going to be franchise caliber guys. You've got the Bears in field and you've got the Packers in Jordan Love. And, you know, if you are sitting in the league office in New York, I mean, it's very clear that this is the best possible thing that could happen for one of the oldest rivalries in American sports. Because if both of these guys hit, I mean, you are looking at a decade plus of Bears Packers games featuring two really dynamic quarterbacks. You look at the league right now, I mean, what's happened is this. It's The big media networks certainly play a part in this too, but they've gone ahead and they've started marketing left and right the quarterback matchups. It's like you're not watching – you are watching Chiefs versus Bills or Chiefs versus Bengals, but you're also watching Mahomes versus Burrow or Mahomes versus Josh Allen. I mean, for the Bears, this is a major turning point for this team because while the Packers are starting kind of – a new chapter for their own franchise. The bears are kind of trying to write a new chapter as well, but really continue to focus on how they can get back to winning this rivalry on a consistent basis because the Packers have dominated the bears for about a decade at this point. But if you're talking, you know, just strictly wins, I mean, Green Bay has been the much better franchise in terms of roster building, in terms of coaching, in terms of pretty much anything and everything related to football operations. Yeah, I think you make a good point about the quarterback dynamic here because, I mean, this could be the birth of a new rivalry for, I mean, obviously Bears-Packers is, you know, as big of a rivalry as get, but look, you look at the last 30 years or so since, you know, Brett Favre took over and, transition to Aaron Rodgers like this could you really say that Bears Packers has been a competitive rivalry because it, it really hasn't you know it's been really one side of the Packers have just dominated this thing for such a long time and before that you know the Bears for the most part um you know dominated for a couple of decades as well against the Packers um leading up to you know Brett Favre taking over so it really hasn't been a balanced you know truly competitive rivalry between these two franchises in a long time you know Definitely not since, you know, I've been a fan, obviously. Um, you know, I've, I've grown up with, you know, the, the Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers era. So it's just one of the things where throughout my entire life, all I've known is just the Packers just being on a different level than the Bears as a team outside of a couple blips here and there. And, you know, while I would revel in, you know, the Packers going through a, you know, cold cold streak of years um, similar to the Bears and, you know, I, I would, you know, as much as Bears Twitter wants Jordan Love to suck, and while I would have a, a ton of fun with that as well, you know, I, I just, I don't know, call it a gut feeling, but I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think it would genuinely be really exciting for these two teams to have a genuine rivalry with two young quarterbacks that can go at it, um, you know, twice a year. I mean, that would be, I mean, it would be really stressful as a, as a fan, but 
it would be extremely fun to watch and follow as well. And it would create something that we just haven't had here for a long time, which is a genuine competitive rivalry between these two franchises, two storied franchises. You know, we can't call this the greatest rivalry in you know football if if it's just going to be one-sided every single year. So, you know, I think this this game right here, it's going to be really telling as to the direction of these franchises and, you know, give us a preview of what this rivalry is going to look like for, you know, hopefully maybe the next decade or so. You know, we'll, we'll see. If both of these guys end up being good, uh, Bears fans and Packers fans have a lot of fun football to look forward to, and th- it would give these divisional games a lot more meaning than what they have right now because – I'm sorry. Like I've always dreaded going into bears Packers games every single time because I just, what's there to look forward to every single time the bears are going to get their butts kicked. Right. And it's just, it's really, really just, I I don't want to say like traumatizing as a bears fan, but like it's, I don't know. It's just, it's really discouraging year after year after year to just go into it, knowing that two games a year, you're going to get your butt kick as a team. And, you know, the opposing fan base is going to talk a ton of crap, a ton of trash to you. And there's really nothing you can say back to really back that up. And so, I don't know, I, I, as much as I want to see, I mean, of course I want to see the Bears win, but um, to have that actual rivalry again where you can have that back and forth would also be exciting as well. I mean, and you look at some of the other players outside of the Packers and the quarterbacks you have a lot of young talent that is really just looking to shine now look at the wide receiver rooms for both teams i understand that christian watson romeo dobbs did not practice for green bay today but those guys are two legitimately young wide receivers that last year down the stretch i mean christian watson started off slow but down the stretch of last season, I mean, he found his stride and started to prove as to why he was being graded out as a late first-round pick, early second-round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. And you look at the Bears wide receiver room, and there's we know that the cream of the crop is DJ Moore, but Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool are both entering into contract years. They both have a hell of a lot to go ahead and prove. And then you look at the running game, too. I mean, there's a legitimate argument to make that the Bears and Packers have two of the best backfields in the NFC right now. Just between, you have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon for Green Bay. And then you've got Chicago between Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson, and Khalil Herbert. Three really solid running backs. And... We've discussed the Bears' philosophy on offense plenty in terms of the first 15 to 20 plays being scripted and just all quick game stuff designed for Justin Fields to catch the football, get it out of his hands quickly, catch the football off the snap, then throw the ball. But Green Bay's philosophy to me, especially in the early portion of the season, is you're going to see a significant uptick in the number of times that Matt LaFleur decides he's going to run the football. And that is not because the running game is what's two reasons. Number one, the running game is genuinely the strength of that offense. But number two, you know, you're taking the ball out of the hands of a rookie of a young quarterback. I'm sorry. That has yet to really prove he can fully engineer a passing offense. And so you're effectively going to be inserting a little bit onto his plate each week for him to really make that difference. And as the season goes along, I'll admit, I do expect Jordan 
because the Packers are incredibly well coached. I do see Jordan making a certain number of strides, but really success for him. And I wrote this in my one question each NFC North team is going to have to answer, which is going to be out on Thursday morning, by the way, is that success for Jordan Love does not have to be going from fourth-year starting quarterback to being top five in the league. Like, if we're in weeks 15, 16, 17, and Green Bay is two to three games out of a playoff spot, I mean, that's a successful season for Jordan Love. As long as he's playing well, it's not that Green Bay defense with eight or nine first-rounders. That's engineering every single win. Yeah, I I absolutely think what you said is on the money in terms of what the Packers want the script to be for – you know, this season, right? They want to rely on this defense. This is why they've invested so many first round picks and so many resources into this defense. They, they want to win by having a dominant run game with that offensive line, with those running backs. Um, they want to win behind a very talented defense that you know, has a lot of good pass rushers up front. They have um, a lot of good cornerback talent as well. Um, just a lot of talent in all areas of the defense, you know, besides like safety, which, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, they want they want to make things as easy as possible for Jordan Love, and they have all these young playmakers to build around with him. You know, you mentioned Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, um, they also Jaden Reed as well at wide receiver, second round pick this past year. Luke Musgrave, um, you know, a, another guy that you know they're hoping that they can kind of build around with Jordan Love and, and develop with him um, over the course of the season. And there's going to be some. I, I, I do expect there are going to be some growing pains with Love in, uh, in that offense with you know a lot of the youth there and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, as much as Bears fans want to say that Jordan Love is going to be trash or whatever, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see him play solid football and you know, what will he be like on the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre level of player time will only tell. I, I certainly hope so. It would be just awful for, the Packers to get three straight Hall of Fame quarterbacks like that in succession. Like, I just, I don't know where I'd be as a Bears fan if, if that were to happen again. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Love is going to suck or anything like that. So, um, you know, time will tell there, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, just previewing this matchup, let's get into the nitty gritty here and go over kind of some of the matchups here. So you said when you look at some of the matchups here, what, what's one matchup that you're looking forward to seeing that you think will be kind of a determining factor in this game? I mean, as generic as it sounds, I'm going to say the trenches. And I say the trenches because you have this for this defensive line for Green Bay that is loaded with first-round picks, guys like Devontae Wyatt, as well as Kenny Clark. And then you have a Bears offensive line where they spent $30 million at the right guard position brought back Cody White here as well as Lucas Patrick when they easily could have moved on from both. And then you have two tackles on rookie contracts in Braxton Jones along with Darnell Wright. I mean, that right there is going to be the sole determining factor in how this entire matchup plays out. Because if the Bears come out and win and dominate the line of scrimmage, that's giving Justin Fields time to go ahead and throw the ball, find his open receiver. It's given time for plays to go ahead and develop. Whereas if the O-line struggles, I mean, Fields is going to be running for his life all afternoon. Yeah, I would say that definitely the uh, the trench is going to be a huge aspect in this game. I would say the Packers have the advantage on both sides of the ball in that area. But it's worth remembering that the Bears did have two of their best rushing performances against the Packers 
last season. I think they had like 180 yards in one of their outings and like 174 yards, if I'm not mistaken. So they've had success against this defense before on the ground. So that'll be something to look out for, for sure. Uh, for me, the one matchup I'm looking forward to seeing is um, between DJ Moore and Z- Jair Alexander. I think that's going to be really the marquee matchup um, on the outside. You know, DJ Moore, we know how much of an impact that he, you know, having a number one wide receiver can have in your passing attack. And DJ Moore, whether it's been in training camp or in preseason so far, he he has looked as advertised. Um, he looks extremely good. Uh, the chemistry between him and Fields has been outstanding. And it just seems like, you know, whenever they need a play to be made, uh, whether it's in practice or in these games, like DJ Moore is the guy that's making the play for this Bears offense. He's going up against one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, Jair Alexander, who, you know, a lot of Bears fans, I've seen a lot of Bears fans on Twitter, you know, clowning on Alexander because, look, every single cornerback is going to get beat. And, you know, Alexander is no exception to that. But, look, you look at Alexander and his track record, like, he's consistently been an elite, like, lockdown corner throughout his career, right? Or at least, now, if not locked down, like, close to it, right? Um, and, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Alexander's a guy who's not afraid to talk trash. Um, DJ Moore, you know, he's been a number one wide receiver for a long time here. So um, how is that matchup going to unfold? And um, that's going to be important here because, you know, Justin Fields, he's going to need DJ Moore to have success this year. Uh, and, you know, even if DJ Moore gets taken out of the game for some stretches here, how does that open up some of the other guys like Darnold Mooney, Chase Claypool, Cole Komet for those guys to get open in the passing game and make plays as well. So there's a, a giant butterfly effect to all that stuff, but it all starts with that matchup there, in my opinion. And if J.J. Moore can win that matchup, that really sets the Bears up well um, to have success through the air against a Packers defense that you know has typically done a good job of uh, shutting down this Bears passing attack through the years. Um, all right. Moving on here, let's get to our main X factor. You said, who is your X factor in this matchup? That is a really good question. And the X factor for me here is going to be, I should say I've got two X factors, but it's going to be number one, Demarcus Walker, as well as number two, Yannick Ngakwe. And it's both of those guys simply because the Bears don't have that top-tier pass rusher, right? They signed – they've invested $31 million into the pass rush over the next few years with Walker as well as Yannick Ngakwe combined, which tells me that they're hoping that both of them can come out and have really good games. So I'm going – Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker are going to have to have the game of their life, especially when you've got veteran left tackle David Bakhtiari having – what the Packers refer to as veteran rest days because he did not practice on Wednesday due to it being a veteran rest day. I mean, at that point, you have to be all dialed up and ready to go. And we've heard so much over the last few weeks about the high energetic lead. Well, the high energy guy that Demarcus Walker is, he was injured. But when you and I were at training camp, I mean, we saw a big number 95 or 97, I believe he is. We saw big DeMarcus Walker literally standing next to Matt Eberflus as the players were stretching, and he was just talking, having a good time, having a good time during individual drills as well. And then Yannick Ngakwe in his press conference alluding to how he wanted to wait things out because he felt like the Bears were the right decision for him and the best fit for him. Well, that there to me signals that if you pay those guys that amount of money that they're being paid, they better come out and set the tone 
and week one's the time to do it against an offense that is really developing a new identity because there's been a change at the quarterback position. Yeah, the pass rush is going to be huge for the Bears in this game. If they can get after Jordan Love, I think it's probably his weakest attribute, his ability to handle uh, pressure in the pocket. So if you can put pressure on him early on especially, I think that can have a tremendous impact on how that defense performs in this game. I'll say for my X factor, I mean, it has to be Justin Fields, right? Um, you know, Justin Fields, this is really a make it or break it year for him. And it all starts this year. Um, you know, last year he got off to a really slow start through the first month of the season. And if he gets off to a slow start again, I think you're going to see a lot of questions about, you know, Justin Fields, you know, is he the guy, you know, can the Bears rely on him? Is, is he the guy they want to build him? Uh, build around moving forward. You know, they had two first round picks, you know, this is a talent quarterback class, yada, 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 right? So Justin Fields, I think he has to start off in week one on Sunday with a big performance here and really set the tone this season, not only for this season, but also in this Bears Packers rivalry because Aaron Rodgers isn't here anymore. The boogeyman's gone. Like Justin Fields has a chance to kind of, you know, put it all on the line here and say like, I'm the new quarterback in the division that's going to be dominating things here and I'm taking over this rivalry. So I, I want to see that from Justin Fields in this game. He's got the weapons around him. The offensive line is going to be, you know, it's a little bit shaky to me against that pass rush. But, you know, if he can make some big plays in this game, I think it's going to go um, a long way towards the Bears winning this game and, you know, getting the season, starting the season off right here and starting his season off right, which is probably the most important thing um, overall. All right, you say, let's predict, the, let's make our predictions here. Who do you got winning this game and what's the score? Honestly, and there's not too many times I've done this in the past, I feel like, but it's a wide open division. It is week one, so anything can happen. But the Bears have continuity at positions like quarterback, whereas the Packers do not. And Justin Fields has chemistry with guys like Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, whereas in live game, regular season action, whereas a guy such as Jordan Love really does not. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Bears come out and they win this thing 24-14. to The Packers defense is going to hold the Bears as much as possible, but I have a feeling we're going to see a, some amount of explosive plays on Sunday afternoon and that this Bears defense, even though they're not star-studded up front on that defensive line, they've got star talent in the back seven, which is going to make all the difference in the world. And quite frankly, I would not be surprised to see a turnover or two. And let me just say this. This game is going to cement as to why Jaquan Brisker is going to enter the conversation for being one of the best young safeties in the league at the strong safety position. Yeah, I got the Bears winning as well. 24-20 to 20 in a closer game than I think um, – a lot of Bears fans, you know, may think, or maybe I don't know. Just I, I have it being a closer game here. Um, I think it's going to go down to the wire here. Um, again, there's just so much unknown between these two teams now, and you know, I just I don't know how emotionally I'd be able to handle the Packers winning in, in Week One against the Bears here. I just, man, I, we we've been going through this for so long. I would just like to see the Bears start off on the right note here and get a win, but. You know, you know what? I do think the Bears, you know, even though the Packers probably have the better overall team as of right now, I, I there's so many questions with Jordan Love. You know, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs potentially being out for this game is huge. Um, we consider that the Packers don't have a ton of depth in that receiving room. 
you know, behind those two guys. Um, the offensive line, like you mentioned, Dave Bakhtiari, he's been banged up. And that's probably that's been the case for him, you know, over the last really three, four years or so. So that's not really a surprise. But I don't know. I think the Bears have a great opportunity here to um, get a win here and make things right with this rivalry again and really put themselves, put their best foot forward and, you know, take control of this rivalry. So that's what I want to see on Sunday. And I'm just beat the Packers, please. Like they could lose every other game this year. Just beat the Packers twice. Like I just, I'm so done with these Chiefs heads talking trash on Twitter and um, all my Packers fan buddies who are talking trash about how Jordan Love is going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. Like, get out of here. I just, I just want to see the end of this, and I'm just so sick and tired of it. So Bears, I had them winning 24-20, and hopefully that will shut them up for the next, I don't know, month or so until they play again at the end of the year, a couple months or so until they play again at the end of the year. But with that said, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Polls podcast. Make sure to like, rate, subscribe uh, to us wherever you get your podcasts here on Spotify or uh, wherever you get podcasts from Blue Wire Pods. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media as well at Picture Polls. Uh, you say, where can our listeners find your work and uh, follow you on social media? Yes, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Kulshul. Check out my work on the Bear Report. So this season, I will be bringing back the articles that drop during the middle of the week, the articles that are coming out two to three hours after the game. We'll be doing this podcast as well. And then I will be continuing my weekly NFC North recap articles that are going to drop on either Monday or Tuesday of the season, depending on when all four of the teams get done playing. Yeah, absolutely. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the bear report as well. Also really excited to get back into my tracking the trenches series, which will be coming up next week following this bears backers game. It's, it's really, you know, it's it's coming up, Bears fans. It's it's really exciting. I'm ready to get back into the groove of things here uh, with the in-season um, storylines going on. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, yeah, go go Bears. I'm, I'm so excited for week one here. I already got all my plans made up for this Sunday. Um, got a whole weekend of watching football here coming up. So I'm just – I'm really looking forward to it and uh, can't wait. Hopefully the Bears get that win. Until next time, Bears fans, we'll be having a lot to discuss here about this game. Um, in the out- aftermath of it. But until next time, uh, have yourself a great weekend and bear down. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.